Thank you so much for uh, for taking time. Current Smith hanging out with us today for another episode of Beyond the Device. Current Smith, a Jedi Knight in all things. Uh, Chrome extension vulnerability-wise. Uh, awesome partner of ours through Imperium. Uh, I know him. Some of you guys might work with him a little bit. Uh, but some of you might not know who he is. Uh, so, Karn, could you do an introduction for us and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do at Zimperium, and then we're going to get right into the Chromebooks and talk about education, Chromebook extensions, the vulnerabilities behind it, and all the craziness we're seeing out there in the market. Absolutely, Ray. Thanks for having me on. Um, by way of introduction, my name is Karn Smith. I am a VP of pre-sales for the Americas. So, basically... My team, are, I run the sales engineering team that covers uh, both enterprise and public sector, including EDU uh, for Zimperium. I've been with Zimperium for about almost six years now, which is crazy now that I think about it. Um, but prior to that, spent uh, a little over four years um, at AirWatch and was there for the uh, acquisition. So I've really been in kind of the mobile space for quite some time and watching that evolution over the past decade has been fascinating and eye-opening in a lot of regards. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, um, talk about getting beyond the device. My God, the security thing—it's—it's it's kind of incredible. This isn't uh, taken more serious. I don't know if it's not. I should maybe I shouldn't say taken seriously, but um, we're still having problems that we can solve. I think is the I guess where my I'm like head scratching on this topic on a regular basis, which is just like how did this happen? There's so many so many ways and things that we can and gates that we can put in uh just like little simple things and it doesn't seem like that's happening um so we're gonna keep hitting on this topic over and over and over until we're at least blue in the face and uh hopefully make some uh some market changes along the way uh specifically i'm really excited to talk about this because this actually happened with me with a chrome extension that i downloaded and we talked about this uh offline before we uh, we did it we were doing the podcast where i got this alert um just randomly through uh, my uh, computer that this extension was tracking my uh, keystrokes. Mm -hmm. And the extension was physically to turn, um, I don't want to name it because I don't, I don't know if it's malicious and I don't want to cause any problems, but uh, the, uh, basically it dims, uh, if you're watching a video, it will dim the whole screen minus the video. Um, and it was very cool, but you can also kind of set up like a dark theme within um like Google Docs, for example, because it's like it's just a white screen that's just blasting you in the face. And so I got this to kind of do like a themed thing. So I don't I share a screen all day. I like it to be dark and white. Uh, but then all of a sudden I get an alert that this thing's tracking my keystrokes, which is pretty freaking odd that I don't know why you would need to track my keystrokes. So I deleted it and every extension in my Chrome browser. And so I was very uh, excited to talk to you about this topic because I think there's yeah. a lot of third party stuff out there that we just think is cool and it's like oh this is a neat thing that i like but we don't realize how much vulnerability is baked into it which is where you guys come in so can you give us a little bit of like a heads up on uh i guess what, what some of the problems are and then what yeah. we're doing to fix it because this is super important yeah well it's interesting you brought up kind of like the the light dimmer um example for the extension because it brings me back to uh you know when mobile phones and mobile applications first came out and that's really where you, where you need to kind of think of extensions as they're essentially applications that, you know, instead of being installed on a mobile operating system are installed in a browser. And when you think of that same example, um, I remember back in the day, uh, you'd go download, download a flashlight application, right? To turn on the, to use the camera flash to turn right. things on before it became uh, an embedded feature. And as, as that evolved, we started asking ourselves, well, why does that flashlight app also need access to my contacts, my location, you know, all these other things. It's like, wait, I just want to turn a light on what's going on here. Yeah. And the analogy 
and that kind of landscape from both risk or getting into threat, right, with malicious actors using those apps as ingress points for malware is now happening on Chrome, on Chrome, OS, on Chrome OS and Chrome mm -hmm. extensions. And, the, and you think of it as it's kind of the wild, wild west at this point, because to your point, these Chrome extensions have, can access pretty much anything and everything and exert a lot of control over the browser session, in some cases, the device itself. And when we look at how people are accessing data, it's all through the browser because everything's going cloud, right? It's all going mm -hmm. in the cloud. You're trying to access all this, everything out there. So as a user, there's a lot of cool things that are out there with free extensions from third parties, from the official extension store, et cetera. But as a bad actor, I know that most organizations have zero visibility into that, yeah. much less any restrictions. So I may start crafting together some malicious code to get that to get a malicious um, um, extension out there, or conversely, just a third party developer trying to you know, put something cool out there. They download third-party code from GitHub because it's going to give them functionality that they need in their in their extension. Not realizing that that third-party code also is scraping keyboards, etc. Because as a right. developer, you're just going to ask for as many permissions as possible just to get the job done. Right? You're right. not really thinking about the implications of it. So it, yeah, it's a fascinating area for sure. That, and that's something I wanted to, I want to touch on too that you just said, which is uh, some of the it's, you get sometimes you get permissions and you're like, what do you need my mm -hmm like my contacts for it's not that they it's not even that they're going to use it some uh applications they just ask for everything because they don't want to run into a like a wall when they're developing it's like oh god this right. this falls into this weird the this thing that we're trying to do falls into contacts and we don't have contacts permission so we'll just ask for every contact or we'll just ask for every you know all the permissions under the sun ahead of time so we don't run into any issues while we're de we're doing development or we're doing updates not realizing that to your point there could be a third party uh there could be a third party vulnerability in there which is another thing i wanted to talk to you about um very similar to uh manufacturing uh, overseas yeah. where it's like oh yeah we'll have a line of whatever you know i don't know like aluminum cans or glasses or whatever and it's like people can just buy that same thing put a different logo on it in the same way that we use the same manufacturing lines for physical products a lot of the, I shouldn't say, I don't know, I should say a lot, but I should say lots of uh, code is third-party code that's already been designed, and it's just like you can just buy chunks of it and put it into your software. That, and I don't think a lot of people realize. That. I think when you use an application, it's like, oh, this has been built from the ground up. This is this company's app, and they've designed everything in house, and that is not the case most of the time. 100%. I mean, the analogy I kind of make is that you show me an app that doesn't have third-party code that a developer copy and pasted from somewhere, and I'll show you a Hello World app that somebody did just to say, hey, print Hello World as a, as a starter app. I mean, yeah. and it's it's not a knock against anybody. It's the whole analogy of, you know, why reinvent the wheel? If there's right. functionality that exists out there, why would I want to write that ground, you know, from ground up? Why not go Google something or go look at Stack Overflow mm -hmm. and get pointed to the right repository in GitHub and go from there, right? So, and, you know, again, I have a lot of sympathy for for developers out there uh, because they're stuck on tight timelines. They have sprints, they have PMs breathing down their neck, you know, mm -hmm. or they've got to get things to market or they just want to get this out there because people want functionality. And at, you get into this whole um scenario potentially with unintended consequences and that's true not just for extensions but you also see it in 
web applications and mobile applications and a whole, whole gambit of it, but specifically within extensions, that's why looking at things around not just is it malicious or not, that's the first question you should answer. But yeah. the second question is, what's the risk of this that I'm installing either on the device or in the browser? Because to your point, why is that why is that light dimming app accessing my keystrokes? Why is it accessing, say, my browsing history? Why does it need that level of access? Yeah. Why, for example, it doesn't need to do an overlay on my device as well. So these yeah. are just questions that we're trying to A, give some visibility on of you should be asking these questions, but also give you the answers to those questions as well. Yeah, absolutely. Question with boldness, the world around you. I think uh, especially especially in education, um, we, we did a podcast with one of our uh, partners at Any Automation, and they're doing, pardon me, they're doing a um, uh, innovation education podcast. And one of the things that has popped up a ton in conversation is the use of Chromebooks. Mm-hmm. And the use of Chrome extensions is really not on a lot of people's radars as far as like, because they're focusing on apps that can be used right. on the Chromebook. So it's like, there's a whole, so again, there's another, fr- there's a yet again, another frontier past where we thought there was already, we hit the edge and then, nope, there's yeah. another one. And so yep. uh, ID theft of the students is a really big deal. Uh, keeping data after periods of years is a really big deal. Like, what do you need a high school students data for if they're, you know, now 28 years old, like you, you don't, you shouldn't have that information anymore. That's not right. So it's like all these, all these things and raising awareness of this, I think is a, um, is a really uh, big piece of this puzzle. Now it's not all, um, it's not all doom and gloom though. You guys can solve some of this and back to your thing about the developers. They are on a tight timeline. They're not security specialists. They're developers, they're software specialists, they're language artists. And so, uh, being able to uh, craft something that works really well is one piece of the puzzle. Being able to secure it is a completely different piece. And I find those those departments aren't necessarily communicating. Yeah, 100%. And then you get into the whole aspect of, you know, administrators uh, rolling out these devices in, in mass. You know, I mean, you talk you talk about school systems, you know, some larger ones, you're talking, you know, they, 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 dwarf uh, Fortune 500 companies in scope and scale. You know, they're talking about hundreds of thousands of students, not, yeah. you know, tens of thousands of employees. So, you know, you talk about the size and the scope and the scale of the problem. Um, it, the challenge is, is that a lot of organizations try, are trying to use the tools or approaches that they're used to, right? Familiar, familiar. So they're trying to either manage their way out of it using MDM lockdowns, et cetera, or using, say, content filtering and all that type of thing. But you have this gap in visibility where students are in kids and everybody else, they're pretty darn inventive and they're also pretty much on the cutting edge of things. Yeah. And you know, they'll you want to see some crazy stuff, put give a Chromebook to a kid and see what happens, right? Um yeah. and they're going to be installing some of these some of these extensions. You know, some of them are benign, right? Say it's a you know, an extension to give you uh a wrapper on your browser so it looks cool or whatnot, but others have some insidious things in there for data for data scraping and for just general malicious behavior. That the question we have to ask ourselves: if we're giving this technology to students, right, to minors, do we not have a responsibility to ensure not just that the student is using it correctly, but the stuff that is installed on that, not just by the school, but that could be installed onto it? that it is not putting the student or the school district at risk. Yeah. And the same question could be said about enterprise organizations or, you know, non-minors or non-EDU use cases. But that's that's those are the type of questions that we have to start answering at this yeah. point, especially with how widely these are rolled out. 
Yeah, it gets in that whole that, the conversation uh, we've had in the past about uh, data privacy being a human right. Mm-hmm. Is it? I mean, the things that you search and that you look at and the things that yeah. you're doing on your. I mean, it's you. It's your. Yeah. It's physically you. So it's like your actual like digital thumbprint, and the ownership of that data, uh, and also the protection of that data to make sure that these. I mean, these kids are. You know, imagine a twelve year old being tracked and monitored their entire life. It's like that. You could do some very malicious things with that person's data if you if you were a nefarious, uh, sketchy sort of person. So it's an important thing that we that we get ahead of this. Well, yeah, and one thing I'd add on this, I mean, we're also, you know, we haven't really talked about the fact that, you know, we're giving these this technology to kids and justifiably so. I mean, this is just part of being a student now. But in many cases, there are some homes where this is the only computer or computing device uh, for for the family. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the student, it's also the family that's using this to log into their bank account, log into their checking account, you know, have oh, God, access yeah. to the internet and whatnot. And, you know, it's just those type of things where, again, it's not a question of managing your way out of it. It's a question of, hey, how do we provide visibility into what the risk and the threats that could be occurring on these devices? Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Chrome browsers as, as an example, a Chrome OS as an example. But, you know, once you start kind of expanding out of there, it's no longer just, do I have content filtering? Do I have management on the device. It's mm. how do I secure this and understand if a bad actor or if something with a heightened level of risk is installed on this device, be it an extension, be it an application, be it a, a network connection, or fundamentally if the device is being compromised in some way, shape, or form. So it's a whole gambit of things that we're trying to solve for at that point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, to, and to that point, because again, I don't want to make it seem like it's all doom and gloom, because um, yeah. there is, the, we, you guys have developed platforms for this. I think it's uh, minus maps, uh, so lowercase m, APS, correct? Is that the? Uh... Yeah, yeah. So we, so we have kind of two core things on it. One is maps, which is our mobile application protection um, suite. So that's where we're helping developers as they're developing mm-hmm. the applications and whatnot secure them during development cycle uh, with scanning tools to understand privacy and security risks, but also runtime um, defense with our in-app detection, but also code protection, code hardening, and white box crypto as well. So it's a whole gambit of things. The other component is what we call ZIPS, which is um, our Zimperium intrusion prevention system, which is more focused around endpoint. So I have a device, right, a book or a phone, you know, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, doesn't matter. Um, next generation endpoint protection. So how do I protect that device that I've enabled to access resources? How do I protect that from device network application phishing and even content level threats and, and extension level threats and risk at that point? And that's really kind of the, the two product sources. So it's just a question of, are we talking about protecting your app? Or are we talking about protecting your device? No matter what, right. we got you covered at that point. Well, and that, yeah, and I think the comment you made about zero trust earlier, it's like the, uh, we're, we were recording, I think, when we were talking about that. I mean, that was right before, but we were talking, we were at talking about zero. Yeah. At some point, we were talking about zero <laughs> trust. And I think this goes back to that yeah. uh, being a very uh, intelligent way to look at this issue is to just assume everything's compromised. Um, and really getting uh, getting out and, and having both of those things deployed, I think would help solve that problem. So uh, definitely there's a takeaway here. If you got, I mean, if you are a developer and you are doing something on the development side and you need uh, these types of resources, uh, they can, I mean, Kern, they can reach out to, directly to you. I mean, we can, I'm happy to shepherd an introduction to you, but uh, what's, what's the best way to, to solve some of these problems if it's either on the development side or the endpoint side where they need to get these things secured? 
yeah, I think I think there's actually an opportunity to have some better outcomes because right now the way most people are approaching these devices or these browsers is a management first uh, solution or a lockdown approach, mm -hmm. right? Let me restrict it. Let me enforce passcodes. Let me uh, prevent people from downloading or installing things on the device, and ultimately creates friction between either the developer or the IT administrator and their end users. And you got to think about why that type of lockdown or management approach is taking is what's taking place. Or you know, fil content filtering is another example. Well, it's because those were the only tools in the toolbox, right, mm -hmm. to address the security problem. It wasn't because we wanted to, it was because it was the only the only thing that we had. So when all you have is a hammer, every single, every single problem right. looks like a nail at that right, point. Right, right. So now, given the fact that Zimperium, we have technology to address this, to A, give visibility into the risk and threats that are existing on these devices or within these browsers, but also the ability to automate and remediate uh, these type of threats with automated response, et cetera, and integrate into a larger ecosystem, now you're approaching an area where administrators can loosen the restrictions on these devices a little bit, mm -hmm. reduce the friction from users, make these devices more useful, more valuable, mm -hmm. while getting a better security outcome because now they finally have the visibility to manage their risk level and respond automatically to threats. So you're seeing this across the board where you're actually getting a better security outcome you're also getting a better business outcome because people are able to use these devices more fully and more broadly. Mm -hmm. And the users are getting a better outcome as well because you're not just relying on management or restrictions approaches. You're now taking a holistic view and saying, let's get dynamic visibility and automate the reactions appropriately. And that and that's a really, uh, I think, a really important thing to, to note. It's not... Again, I've used devices. I think we've been in this for a little bit, so I'm sure you've used devices that have been just totally. It's basically a brick. It's like I have a single app. I can't do anything. Can't access information you need to access. You, I constantly have to go out of your container to do work, but you can't pull information back into the container. It's I. I yeah, it's an absolute <clears throat> mess. So to to give somebody a mobile device. And then strip everything away of convenience that makes it a mobile device as to why you would want to have it in the first place. Uh, it doesn't really doesn't really jive. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. So, uh, yeah, the fact that you still have the usability and you also now have the protection as well that's a that's a that's a pretty good slam dunk. Totally, and and to kind of circle back on the extension side of the house. I mean, really, the the extensions we're seeing that as a natural evolution of you know, just what we've seen already on iOS and Android with applications, extensions are just another application out there. So the same questions that you need to answer from a malicious risk, uh, security and privacy risk analysis now apply to extensions. And, mm. you know, again, no amount of traditional approaches with management or content proxying, you know, network filtering, et cetera, will fundamentally answer that question of what's going on on the device, what's the user exposed to, where are my risk at, especially with things that are installed either on the device or in the browser at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any other thoughts with closing comments? I mean, this again, this is a really important yeah. piece. It's not just the endpoint. It's not just the apps. It's not just the development. Uh, there, there, the Chrome extension, there's more coming to you. And you guys are working on You've got a pretty cool roadmap that uh, I've been privy to. But uh, you've got yeah. some pretty cool stuff coming. Uh, and you're definitely doing a, a lot to stop these, uh, these, these crazy things from happening before they start. So hopefully more organizations will get behind this and, and start deploying these things in mass because again 
a lot of these security problems, man, they're completely preventable. We just don't we just don't have anything in place on these devices. And especially for those districts or those enterprise organizations, whether at mid-market, large market, whatever the case, it doesn't matter. The if you have endpoints, you have to secure them. Um, and it's just a, it's just the name of the game now. Uh, totally. And, and, you know, to be fair, I, I have my, my sympathy goes out to all of the uh, IT admins and, and um, you know, <laughs> managers out there with the, yeah. you know, the, the noise that's out there. And, you know, how do you kind of break through and prioritize what's going on? That's where that's where I keep falling back to. Look, let's let you we didn't have these tools before. We now have them. Let's leverage them to get a better outcome, both you know business wise, but also for the end user and from a security perspective. And start taking a holistic view of everything that could be ha impacting or happening on the devices. And I think that's people are starting to realize that you know this or the Chromebook is no different fundamentally than how you treat a laptop or a desktop. It's accessing right. the same information, if not more information. Let's apply the same principles of not just management but endpoint protection and go. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, sir. Kern Smith. Uh, again, Jedi Knight of all things security for his Imperium. Uh, if you guys have any questions, please uh, feel free to reach uh, reach out to us. You can send us an email at sales at 3itech.com, sales at 3itech.com, at sales at the number 3eyetech.com. Thank you guys for tuning in or listening, whichever medium you decided to choose. If you liked it, click like and subscribe. We'll see you for the next episode of Beyond the Device. Uh, which I think is going to be with uh, Krishna Vishnu Bhatla, which is uh, Kern's uh, colleague. There, we're going to be talking he's, about. He's the, my partner, Kern. Yeah, the thought was at the five, uh, the top five uh, security breaches. We're going to bring those to you guys as well and talk about how they happened. Uh, and again, all preventable. All, all of them were preventable. None of them were prevented. Uh, so thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you on the internet. Cheers, guys. Cheers.